Welcome to the Mount Carmel Christian Church Podcast. In our sermon series, Here as in Heaven, we'll be looking at how God's promises can give us hope for our hurts. Our speaker today is Senior Minister Dee Bacon. So if you're a newcomer to our gathering and didn't know this already, you're like, who's that funny talking guy up front with an accent, I think? Um, my name is Dee Bacon, and uh, I'm the senior minister here, and I'm thrilled that you're part of this, this gathering with us today. So we're starting a new sermon series titled, Here as in Heaven. And on an emotional level, what this sermon series starts with is this longing that we all have to be home. How did Dorothy put it? There's no place like home, right? How many of you experienced homesickness? Yeah, I know I have. When I was a kid, one time I was invited to go spend the night at some friend's house. I thought it was awesome. You know, when you're a kid, you're all excited about spending the night at your friend's house. Okay, mom, bye. She's out of here. Well, until that is until the evening. And the evening comes, and you look where you're supposed to sleep, and it's a bed that you're not used to and a house that you're unfamiliar with. And you begin to wonder, okay. And then all of a sudden, you start missing the way your mom put you to bed, and you're like, uh, I don't know if I like this so much. I want to go home. Ever have a kid do that to you? Yeah? You know, I have the honor of traveling quite a bit in my life, seeing different places and different cultures and experiencing different things in different parts of the world, and that's all fun and fun and, and exciting, but the older I get, I have to confess, there's a limit to that fun. There's a limit to that. Sleeping in a bed that's not your bed and dealing with all the stuff that's in it, you're just like, I just want to go home. I want to sleep in my own bed with my own pillow. I want to be able to go downstairs and open my own fridge to eat my own food. I want to be able to sleep in a place where I'm familiar with the sounds. I don't want to have to stress over getting lost or continually checking my GPS because I know where everything is because I'm home. I'm home. You know, the sense of homesickness becomes particularly sharp when you're away from home and bad things happen, right? Uh, You spend the night at some friend's house and they get mean to you or you get into a fight and you're like, I want to go home now. Or you are traveling and you get lost and you're in an unfamiliar situation and, and an accident happens or something happens where you're like, I just was, wish I was getting home. You're stuck at the airport. Nothing worse than that, right? Getting stuck at the airport for hours and hours and you're like, oh, I want to go home. Or you get sick and you go to the hospital and you're in a hospital bed and you're not getting rest in the hospital. Hospitals aren't designed for rest because they come in and come out, come in and come out, come in and come out, and you're like, hey, people, I'm supposed to rest so I can heal, but no, that's not how it is in a hospital. One time my son, Christian, had an asthma attack, a little, little guy. We went to the hospital, and it was pretty serious. He had to be admitted to children's, and we were there and spending the night. They gave him a butyrol, breathing treatments, and you know, that's a stimulant, so the kid was bouncing off the walls. And I knew, as a dad, all he needed was some sleep. So finally, I get him to bed. I get him to sleep. We're sleeping. I'm in a cot next to him sleeping. And uh, about 3 in the morning, it's the shift of nurse shift. And I know they're doing their job, but guess what this nurse does? It was a guy, actually. He walks in and turns on the light. Hello, blah, blah, blah. And I literally kind of came out of my, my bed like I came out of a coffin. I'm like, get out. <laughs> Get out now before I kill you. 
Hospitals own places where you can get rest. You just want to go home, right? Now, on a spiritual sense, the Bible talks in language in the New Testament, language that describes us as mere travelers through this world, that our, this world is not our home. In fact, Paul says, our citizenship is in heaven. We're traveling through this world, and we're going home to heaven. And in the conversation, in the language of the Bible, the trials and travails and the difficulties that we endure that are inevitable with living this life, we live in a life of hurt and pain, disappointment, uh, attack and failure and injury and all that, all those burdens, that senses that, that we are carrying these burdens, but these will be temporary because we're going home. We're, we're headed to a place. And I don't know if you've ever had that feeling where you're like, man, really, I just, Lord, come soon. Take me home. I just want to be where I can be whole. I just want to be where I don't have to deal with this issue again and again. I don't want to have to have this burden to carry, this struggle to deal with, this, this pain in my heart, this suffering that I'm going through. I just want to be whole. Well, the exciting thing about the message series is that this longing for home, there's a promise in Scripture that says, while we long for home and a place to come, which is a a promise based on God's goodness. He also says that home is with us because God lives with us as we walk with him in this life, that home in many ways is available to us now, that the presence of God in our life provides us the opportunity to access the resources of home that reminds us of home and strengthens us so that we might experience the will of God as it is in heaven there's a scripture, scripture that I've been particularly fond of of late, Second Peter chapter one verse three. Now Peter is writing to Christians who are struggling, and I no doubt having this sense of, we just want to get through this, we just want to survive, we just want to be home and be done with this. And this is what he says: His divine power, Second Peter one three. His divine power, God's divine power, has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. And I want you to note that this promise is not something, for, something far off. He doesn't say he, He's given us His divine power in the future. No, He's given us His divine power. In other words, God gives us what we need for today. For what? For us to live a godly life. What's a godly life? A godly life is a life characterized by the presence of God. When Jesus said, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, he was saying, bring the kingdom of God to a present reality. Bring the rule of God, the place where God dwells, to something that I'm experiencing in my today. It's a promise that God will resource us with what we need in order to be able to be characterized as a person who's walking with God, a godly life. And I think it's important that we take a moment to think about what that means because I know a lot of times people think, okay, a godly life is a person who does what is good, a person who does what God is asking him or her to do. But actually, it's more than that. It's more than that. 
All of us who are sincere Jesus followers are trying to do good. I think sometimes the problem is that we're trying to do good, but we forget God has called us to be good. We're a human being, not a human doing. And God's promise is that He will bring us to a place where we are good human beings, good human beings in the full sense of what God intended us to be cre- to when He created us, whole and sound and good. Genesis tells us that when God made man, He made man out of the dirt, and He did what? He breathed the spirit of life into him. Which tells me then that God made us to be spirit body beings. Spirit body beings. We are spiritual bodies. What we do to the spirit affects the body, and what we do to the body affects the spirit. We're not bodies who carry a spirit. No, we're spirit body beings. In fact, Jesus showed us that when he rose from the dead, he didn't rise as a spirit. No, he rose as a spiritual body. The promise for us when we rise from the dead and to be with Christ in heaven will be as bodies. We will have spirit bodies. And so this sense of godliness, walking with God, means that we have to incorporate a mindset that involves us being right with God, spirit body beings. Here's what happens in our life as we experience hurts. We are hurt. We hurt because of sin, because of following ways that are outside of God's will. We're disappointed. We inherit the consequences of sin in our lives. Long story short, every one of us have suffered in some way dealing with a disappointment, dealing with an injury, dealing with a trauma, dealing with things that make us sad, dealing with issues that overwhelm us and create anxiety. Here's what happens when we endure these kind of things. It breaks us. It disintegrates us. When I was a kid, I used to love catching lizards. Lizards in Zimbabwe. What I used to love about catching lizards in Zimbabwe is this. They had this neat little trick. You catch some of the lizards in Zimbabwe, and when you grab them, guess what they do? They drop their tails. And it's awesome. You watch this tail, like, and the lizard's got a little stump. I'm like, ah, oh, that's so cute. Throw the lizard. But I used to love doing that. And I think that is a great picture of what we do many times when we're dealing with a hurt. What we do many times when we're dealing with a hurt is we detach from that part of us that's hurt. And we do it as a protection. We do it in order to be safe. We do it as a way to deal with it. But if we stay in that place of hurt, which is what we do many times, that creates a whole world of harm. A whole world of harm. And becomes the source of burdens and trials and difficulties becomes the source of our anxieties and our depressions and the phobias and the issues that we carry. I like how Brene Brown says it regarding this. She says, if you trade your authenticity, wholeness, if you trade your authenticity for safety, 
You may experience the following, anxiety, depression, eating disorders, addiction, rage, blame, resentment, and unexplicable grief. If you stay disintegrated in order to be safe, in order to, if, you, if you don't deal with those things that are traumatic and difficult, if you don't welcome back that, that broken part of you, the result, anxiety, depression, eating disorders, addiction, rage, blame, resentment, and inexplicable grief. 1995, I, uh, I suffered an injury playing basketball with the church. I was playing basketball on carpet. My father-in-law said, be careful, it's carpet. Don't make any cuts. Well, I made a cut, and I blew out my left knee. ACL, cartilage damage. I was in my 20s at the time, and I was a fool uh, in thinking that I was invincible, and it was a hard reality to come to discover that actually I am vulnerable. I went into surgery, and to be honest with you, I thought I would have my surgery, bing, bang, boom, be up and about in a couple of days, go about my business, no problem. Well, when I woke up, it was a, a literal shock. I looked down after a long surgery, and my leg was bandaged from here to here. I was devastated. I had to learn to bend my knee. I had to learn to walk. I had to rehab in a way that I'd never done before. And, and that's, that became the, the focus of, of my next few months. It was just like, I'm going to get better. I'm going to work to get better and get my, heel, my, my knee better and, and recover my full range of, of motion. I'm going I'm to work hard to, in, to get my athletic ability back. But it took over a year and more. And here's the thing about that experience is, as I went through those experiences, other things started happening that I had no idea why they were happening to me. All of a sudden, I was racked with anxiety. I didn't know why. And the anxiety manifested itself in these massive hives that would break out all of my body. Massive I mean, my wife and I used to joke, my back kind of became like, I mean, these, these hives would move. My back kind of became like a display of the tectonic plates moving, you know, all around. It was crazy. I went into a kind of depression, a sadness that I couldn't shake. I'm an optimistic, energetic kind of guy. I was not optimistic, and I was not energetic. It was a spiritual issue that I had. I began to wonder, okay, God, why? Why did I have to go through this? Why did I have to, to, to endure this? What's going on? And, and, and in many ways, my spiritual walk became dark and difficult. The reason for this was this. What you do to your body affects your soul. I'm created to be integrated. And the trauma of that injury manifested itself in other places of my life. That which was not accepted as part of me was the source of a lot of pain beyond my physical. See, we were created to be whole, and when one part of us is hurt and we disintegrate from that, it creates harm in our life. Now, this is something I've spoken to many you know, friends who endured cancer, and the focus is on curing the cancer, yet after the cancer has been cured, you say, well, why are you sad? Why are you depressed? What's going on? Well, What you do to your body affects your soul. And that part has to be acknowledged and welcomed and brought back into the wholeness of who we are. See, we were created to be integrated. And in that place, that's where we were meant to be and to live and to flourish. 
Now, the good thing is that we have in Scripture pathways, encouragements on how God, how God puts back the pieces of those who are broken. We have laid out the testimony of, of lives of individuals who walked by faith, who endured the sufferings and difficulties of this world, and yet found wholeness by being connected to a God who puts back the pieces. And the passage of Scripture that we're going to look to, the, the, the guidelines, if you like, the, the guidance from God's Word that we're going to focus on this next series today and then into May, we're going to be looking at the Psalms. Psalms are songs. What we have in the book of Psalms are the lyrics to songs that were sung by a community of faith. And you have to know that, that music is a great healer. Music is a great integrator. Why do we cry with certain music? Why do we listen to certain music when, when we're upset that gives us? Why do we listen to music that pumps us up and gets us all emotional, ready to, to play the game or whatever? Well, because the power of music is that it forces some integration and reconnection between the parts. And we have a gift in the Scripture in that we have the words that were intended to be put to music, the Psalms, that have a purpose of communicating what's it like to follow God in life. And we have many Psalms that guide us through the valley of the shadow of death. They guide us through our issues and our struggles that bring us to a place where we can experience God's presence that results in integration. And so to kick things off, we're going to start with Psalm 6. It's going to be the groundwork. Psalm, we'll get into specific subjects throughout the next month. But Psalm 6, written by King David, the shepherd king. We're not sure exactly about the occasion for why David wrote this. This was a psalm that was personal, but he made public and made it a part of the Jewish, the Hebrew worship experience. Some may think that this psalm was written when he was a younger man. As a younger man, he did was right. This is the time when he killed the giant by the power of God, was welcomed by the king of Israel at the time, Saul, became a, a, an advocate for the nation of Israel and a friend to the king, but uh, the king's jealousy, uh, the king's insecurity caused the king to turn on David, and David, in effect, had to flee for his life, was treated like a criminal and an enemy of the state. And this psalm may be a psalm that he wrote in that time, crying out to God because of the injustices that he was receiving and the pains that he was being taken and, and the fact that he was being turned into an enemy by people that had no reason to make him an enemy. Or this psalm could be written at a time when David, who became king after Saul, at the top of his game, at the height of his powers, one day on the top of the palace, looks down, sees a beautiful woman bathing, falls to the temptation, seduces her, and then in order to cover things up because she's pregnant, causes the death of her husband, the murder of her husband. Subsequently, he's uh, confronted by the Nathan the prophet, and, and in that he repents of his sin, and maybe this psalm is a reflection of that trial, that travail. Bottom line is, is that this psalm provides us a roadmap. 
internal hurts, internal harms that manifest themselves in physical realities and the struggle therein and the hope that comes from connecting with God. Follow with me as we go through this. Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your wrath. Have you ever felt that? Have you ever felt that God is not near and that you're dealing with issues because God is mad at you? Have mercy on me, Lord, for I am faint. Heal me, Lord, for my bones are in agony. My soul is in deep anguish. How long, Lord? How long? Ever cried that prayer? How much longer, God, do I have to deal with this? How much more do I have to have this issue? How long will I have to suffer this way? Turn, Lord, and deliver me. Save me because of your unfailing love. Among the dead, no one proclaims your name. Who praises you from the grave? The way I'm feeling, I think uh, I might die because of this. What point is that? I'm worn out from my groaning. All night long, I flood my bed with weeping and drench my couch with tears. Ever been in, in that situation in a night in which you sweat because of anxiety, you cry because of wounds? My eyes grow weak and sorrow they fail because of all my foes. Away from me, all you who do evil, for the Lord has heard my weeping. Let's take a moment here to pause. First of all, we see the realities of what I shared. Internal struggle leads to external issues, right? What's going on in the, in the spirit affects the body. What's going on in the body affects the spirit. David was in a bad way. Courageously, now... He accepts that. Here's the first step of, of, the, of the journey towards connection with God that brings about healing. The first step is courageously acknowledging limitations, courageously acknowledging and welcoming that which has been ignored, skillfully taking the time to acknowledge and to welcome back the hurt, that part which has been devastated and hurt and destroyed. He was showing us the way that we can find healing. Again, another insight from Brene Brown regarding courage, regarding what's needed to make the step. She said, courage is a heart word. The root of the word is, of courage is core, the Latin word for heart. In one of its earliest forms, the word courage meant to speak one's mind by telling all one's heart. Over time, this definition has changed, and today we typically associate courage with heroic and brave deeds. But in my opinion, she says, this definition fails to recognize the inner strength and level of commitment required for us to actually speak honestly and openly about who we are and about our experiences. And take note here, good and bad. Speaking from our hearts is what I think of as ordinary courage. David is speaking from the heart, and he's speaking to God. And it leads to hope. He says, the Lord has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord accepts my prayer. All my enemies will be overwhelmed with shame and anguish. They will turn back and suddenly be put to shame. When we talk about prayer, I want us to know that, I want you to know that prayer cannot be seen as the magic pill to fix your problems. Prayer is not dialing up the ATM in the sky to receive a blessing. When we pray for healing, 
the focus of the prayer must be first on the healer. Must be first on the healer. See, prayer is a means of connection to the resources that God provides the other. And ultimately, when we're crying out to God, maybe we're crying out for answers, maybe we're crying out for, for deliverables, ultimately, we have to recognize that the answers to the questions we might have or the deliverables that we're seeking are not necessarily the most important thing. And it's hard to get there, but the most important thing is this, God with us. God with us, God near. And as God is near, God provides a way by which we can then become integrated. See, prayer is more than just sitting there saying the words, although that's important to God in a moment that we have quiet. Prayer is a commitment to a life that acknowledges all that we are. Every aspect of our lives needs to be a prayer to God connecting to Him, which means then we have to acknowledge that because we're spirit body beings, our prayer life must involve our spirit bodies. And so prayer is a means in which we need to focus. Sometimes the best prayer you can have is to take a nap because you are grumpy. Because you're over, you haven't slept well. To take care of our bodies in order to pray and connect with God means then we have to acknowledge that if our bodies are out of whack, if we're overweight, underslept, taking in food that is destroying us, it doesn't put us in a good place for prayer to connect with God. We have to acknowledge that not only are we bodies, but we have brains, and brains work on chemistry and, and, and electricity, right? A biochemical phenomenon. Well, our brain chemistry and the condition of our brains is something that has to be paid attention. That's why sleep is so fundamental to bringing healing, because it resets our brain. Good sleep habits recognizing that sometimes things in our brains are out of whack and, and we need the assistance of, of professionals that can help us with that. Why? So that we can uh, be filling our tank and our brains can be set in the right way in order to pray and connect with God and to bring wholeness and healing. We are beings who are created for connection. And it's important that we recognize that we pay attention to the connections we have. You know, the tendency many times in going through suffering is to isolate ourselves because we're hurting. It's natural. It's part of the protection thing. Well, many times, I would say that's sometimes the worst thing to do. What we need is connection to an other who will provide safety and honesty and reflection that will help us find wholeness counselor, psychologists, good friends, church family, coming to a place where we worship, where we seek to honor God, find wholeness by being with Him. Many times, it begins by surrender, Accepting my limitations, because ultimately, how do we receive grace? Well, grace comes to us when we first accept our limitations. I cannot do it on my own. Our problem is that we, 
we try to tackle on things that are beyond us. How do I know I'm doing that? Well, I'll tell you how. If you use the, if you use the word should to describe your problems, you are trying to tackle problems that are beyond your limitations. I should do this. They should treat me this. I should, should, should. Accept your limitations and submit them to God because that's His jurisdiction, not yours. And in that connection, we find peace. So over the next four weeks, we're going to dive into the hurts of the heart. We're going to dive specifically into these areas. On May 5th, next week, we're going to discuss the issue of anxiety. May 12th, we're going to discuss the issue of depression. May 19th, it's going to be about addiction. And May 26th, trauma. The goal will be to look into the Psalms so that they might provide us a roadmap towards healing, to provide a roadmap towards the gift of life being connected to God. I'm going to ask that you would consider these weeks, that you would consider uh, diving into that. We're diving into some deep waters of the soul. I honestly got to tell you that our teaching team, folks here, we're diving in with fear and trembling because I don't want anyone to think that we have the answers. But it's a journey I think we can do together. And we'll provide resources. We're going to have counselors uh, available that if you need to maybe take things to another level, on a personal level, that would be there. But ultimately, we're going to have this conversation so that we might have the blessing of the hope that God gives, the here as in heaven. And what it's going to require is faith, and it's going to require us each to have courage to, to acknowledge that there are disintegrated parts of us that perhaps we need to welcome home even though they are, they're in a bad way. But we need to welcome back with the grace of God and the power that he provides so that we can find wholeness and healing because we're spiritual bodies, spirit bodies. We're people that are dealing with those realities. We are the sum of our parts. We're not our parts alone. It's my prayer that every one of us will have the joy, the benefit, the blessing of experiencing home today. And so come, be part of this. Small groups and throughout this month, I ask for prayer for us and for the whole experience for your own self, but also perhaps, as I said earlier, you're not only a grace recipient, you're a grace giver a grace giver. And maybe God is working through you to be one of those, to the people that are in your jurisdiction, those in your sphere of influence, to be one who will bring encouragement because you speak from the heart and that you will bring them to a place of integration and help them in their journey to find healing. I'm going to ask that our team come down and they're going to be available to pray with you. Elders, pray with you in person. I'm going to ask that we stand and we'll close with prayer and be done, dismissed from our time together. Lord in heaven, I just thank you so much for the gift of life that you give to us and we thank you for the promise that, that, that we can have home now, that you are with us and never will you forsake us. I thank you that Jesus said, come to me all who are burdened and heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take upon me my, my yoke for it is easy and light. 
We thank you for that promise, and we ask that, Lord, you guide us through this journey of seeking to experience that in our day-to-day because we carry heavy burdens. We carry anxieties that cause us to be paralyzed with fear and manifest themselves in our bodies. We deal with depression in which we recognize that we deal with periods of sadness. We seem to stay longer than, than we need to in the valley of the shadow of death. Lord, we, we deal with addictions, and going to things that, that provide respite for a minute, but ultimately are destroying our lives and our relationships and destroying what you intended for us in this life. And Lord, we we need to help with the trauma that we've experienced in our life, whatever that may be, to, to be able to address them, to be able to have courage in naming them and access your power and grace for forgiveness, for letting go, placing them in history because many times these traumatic experiences keep replaying themselves in our minds and our dreams and our experiences and keep capturing us in fear and, and, and panic. Lord, I pray that you guide us through this in the name of Jesus, who is the Savior. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can interact with us online at our website, www.mtcarmelchurch.org. Also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.